You're listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Hester and Tracy Townsend. Welcome back, friends. Please make sure your pod seat and tray table are in their upright and locked position. The airlock is sealed and docking clamps have been released for an on-time departure to the Functional Nerdverse. Oh, Patrick, I... uh was talking to you just with the episode that we had last week about how, you know, you're not supposed to have favorites and blah, 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 like bad parent, bad <laughs> well, teacher, and, and bad actually, lover. And, and yeah. I, get, I get where you're going to go. And yeah, I know yeah, what you're going to yeah, say. Yeah. Before uh-huh. you do that, when you mentioned uh-huh. that last week, mm-hmm. the episode was so, there was so much going on. We ran late. I didn't get to, to get my dad joke in or my uncle joke. Okay. okay so, get, let's so do it. I, I don't know. Years ago, I was on a Southwest flight okay. and the Southwest crews are the best. And they were making jokes as they were doing the normal thing. You know, this is how you put your seatbelt on. You know, they're doing the wavy thing and they're pointing the stuff. And they said, in the event uh, that the cabin loses pressure, a mask will fall down in front of you. You know, pull it tight and put it on your face. If you're traveling with children today, pick your favorite now. (laughs) Yeah. So there, I got it it in. I got it in. There you go. There you go. You're going to tell us about your favorite author. I'm going to tell you about one of my favorite people who's with us here today. We've got Kat Rambo, um, who may be known to you from so many things. Her her Mm -hmm. Tabat books, uh, her work as a a past president of the science fiction and fantasy. Revolutionary work as president. I mean, seriously, she brought, she brought, she made it possible for a lot of people who couldn't get into CIFWA to get into CIFWA. Yeah, and um, graphic novels, graphic novelists, mm-hmm. and uh, comics creators, game designers uh, started yep. to the, the conversation about that started to become very real and 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 in action. There, it's really a very transformative period for. Um, it, it, my cat wants to celebrate it by getting up on the table here. <laughs> oh, he wants to say hello. Hobbs um, is full of energy this morning. He yeah. is. He's very springy. Um, and so I'm super excited because Kat, in addition to being with us to talk about her latest novel, which is out like right now, it came out uh, November 16, You Sexy Thing. I have an important question to ask you, Kat. Okay. That's the best title ever. And how did you do it? How? Well, so the title, so the title is the name of one of the characters, which is oh, wow. the intelligent spaceship that they steal that is not quite as convinced it wants to be stolen as they might think. <laughs> and it was originally a working title. And Tor at first was like, yeah, that's not going to do. And they kept sending me possible titles. And mm-hmm. I would nix all of them and say, well, I've got a list. And I would send them lists like ancillary restaurant or pop-up <laughs> diner at the end of the universe and and they'd yeah. be like no 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 rambo you're not taking this seriously and finally i like my editor mailed me and was like marketing has decided we're going to lean into the title and i, like, I don't know what that means but okay. that's like the most boring possible way of saying we're actually going to call your book you sexy thing yeah yeah <laughs> Well, what they don't know is, so the title of the second one, which I just turned in, is Devil's Gun. And what they don't realize is I'm going to title all of them uh, after disco songs. And Devil's Gun is a kind of somewhat (laughs) obscure disco song, but it's my way of kind of being like when book three comes around, I'll be able to say, well, you know, we have an established pattern. 
Yeah, yeah. No, like yeah, I seriously see, I had can't the song even... going through my head this whole time. Right. I can't even look at the cover of it, which is, by the way, a totally awesome looking cover without immediately, I believe in miracles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like all of a sudden it's in there and I'm like, oh my God, it's working. Huge, huge shout out to Mike Heath, who did mm. the cover art and is just did a gorgeous rocking job of it. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I don't want to um, I don't want to sleep on the premise, though, because I mean, you mentioned that the characters have stolen uh, a spaceship and we're like, I had a yada stolen spaceship. What else is new? It's science fiction. But I think I mean, the pitch itself is also um, very much something that I, yeah. I would want to lean into. Um, it, but it is it's described as the great British British Bake Off meets Farscape. Yeah. And so like, OK, I, <laughs> I, I tell me everything. <laughs> So it's a group of former uh, soldiers and they have escaped uh, a somewhat uh, predatory army and they have set up a restaurant uh, on a space station. Because that's what you do. That's what that, you do. That's what you do. Uh, and they all love to, they're a good crew and they worked well together as uh, soldiers. And so now they are restaurateurs. They have established a restaurant called The Last Chance. And it's become uh, amazingly successful to the point where a famous restaurant critic <clears throat> is about to arrive and give them uh, perhaps a bestow a coveted Nickelin orb on their <laughs> <laughs> was just I was just thinking about Michelin stars. I'm like, I wonder what Michelin stars were like in space. And she's like, I got you, fam. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> and. That same day, a mysterious package arrives uh, that turns out to contain a person, and uh, things start exploding, and that's the point where they steal the ship. And yeah, yeah, yeah. we are. I want to understand why, when I try to make a transition in a in a pitch, and I say, and then things start exploding, my agent's <laughs> like, "You're going to need a little more than that." Like, why is why doesn't that work for me the way it apparently works I for you? I, you oh. got to have the Rambo name, right? I guess, Rambo right. Yeah, explosion. I mean, you're, you're kind of well branded for it, and yeah. then things start exploding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll just I'll lean into the Townsend part and be like, the, it's like the end of it's the annihilation of go. the town. That's what it is, actually. Yeah, that's what we're talking about here. That's amazing. So this, I mean, this sounds like a project that has brought you great joy. Is that is that fair? Oh, I. I love these characters in a way that I have not loved the characters in any other book. Uh, and they actually, I've always kind of scoffed at authors. You're like, Oh, the characters come talk to me. Uh, and you know, I was like, Oh yeah, right, right, right. And mm. with these actually, you know, I can go inside my head and have conversations with them. And I actually, when the book sold, I kind of went in my head and was like, Hey guys. And you know, which it, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds just loony pants. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I love them. I love them so much. And I love writing about them. That's fantastic. So, all right. I I feel like I'm taking up all the air here because I'm just like squeeing <laughs> like a fangirl. And I'm very, just deeply frustrated because I have both an Audible pre-order and a, and a Kindle pre-order on this. And of course, they're not going to hit until they hit. And so like, I'm just sort of like drumming my, my fingers on my electronic devices as this goes along. But I... I want to actually talk about the Farscape thing for a bit because I have a confession. Are you ready uh, for this? Patrick will not be surprised by this because he's so used to <laughs> hearing me say this. I haven't seen Farscape. Um, <gasps> I'm I'm Mine. so bad at TV. Like so bad yeah. at TV. It's not that I, 
I like it. I love TV. I just never make it a priority. And uh, so there yeah. are so many things that are on my kind of I should and I oughta and that sounds cool that man nothing ever moves forward. I remember vividly a couple of years ago my my husband was supposed to take the kids for a couple of days over spring break to like an indoor water park thing. And he was going to take them away for like three days. And the whole gag was that I wasn't going because it was very obvious that I needed to just not be near my spawn because <laughs> if they stuck around, I wouldn't have them anymore. Like we were right, going to say, right. I was ready to go to the sunken place um, yeah. as far as that yeah. went. Right. <laughs> and so, um, so he was going to take them off and and do this. And I was like super duper looking forward to three whole days of just me and quadrupeds in the house. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, this is going to be very civilized and fantastic. I'm going to not wear pants and live on a <laughs> diet of popcorn. And so that was the plan. And unfortunately, the family that they were going to meet up with there and we had like shared the room and the whole plan with uh, right. the, the kids ended up on that family with strep throat. And oh. so they had to cancel. But I, oh. my, part of my plan, the reason I'm bringing this up was I was like, I'm a watch Farscape. I'm going to like, I'm a binge Farscape while they're gone. And then I found out the night before they were supposed to leave that we got this phone call that the other family had a sickness going on. And they're like, no, we're not doing it. We'll punt it until um, a couple months later when everyone's better. And I was like, no. No, God, yes. You can't. I was going to watch Farscape. So and, and, I, and, yeah. and my confession is like I watch tons of things and I talk about them on the show all the time. And and for about a nanosecond, I thought I shouldn't talk about this because maybe someday Tracy will watch it. And then <laughs> that same voice and, in my head started laughing uproariously. Yeah, going, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. hilarious. Tracy will never watch this. Go ahead and spoil it, dumbass. I mean, honestly, you've known me long enough at this point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> And by the time I ever get around to it, like my brain cash will have cleared anyway. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, my name is John Crichton, an astronaut. Lost so in clearly space the two of you ship. are ready to speak Farscape to each other. Yeah. And I'm I'm very Full I'm very ready convicts. to just sit in on this. Um so well, I guess like what what about what where what's the edu edumacatney? Where's the farscapiness? I must know. So the farscape partially it farscape's got a intelligent but i don't know some yeah somewhat intelligent maybe not quite as intelligent bioship uh in a crew of aliens right yeah moya and patrick you will appreciate this and perhaps even be a little jealous i got to sit next to farscape creator rockney bannon oh. at the nebulas a few nice. years ago because they were like who are we gonna put at your table and i was like hey he's coming Bring him. <laughs> so yeah um I think Farscape is also, it's that found family yeah. uh, thing that's going on with it. And it's this, this bunch of people that at first are, are quite hostile to, you know, some of them uh, to each other and uh, learn to work together and accept each other despite their various flaws and quirks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They, they basically, and they, they, they argue, they fight, they oh, yeah. threaten, they steal from each other. <laughs> You name it, they're doing it before yeah. they kind of start to get this grudging respect. Yeah. Uh, but Moya, yeah, Moya, Moya, I believe is a sentient creature. Yeah. Uh, and and basically to harness the living the living ships, uh, the peacekeepers put harnesses on them, literally right. harnesses, and they control collars is what they're called, and right. uh, install a pilot to to basically yeah. force them to do stuff. 
-hmm. And the pilot is linked to them sort of uh, irrevocably, like yeah, literally yep. installed. Yeah. Yep. They mm -hmm. are they are basically wired in. Yeah. Bio bio wired in. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm a, a, it's a gorgeous for everybody show. Everybody to go to bed tonight, and I'm gonna set an alarm <laughs> for like one in the morning. I'm gonna watch me some Farscape. There you Just go. You, yeah. You go. Like Patrick doesn't believe a word of this, but no, I don't. <laughs> but I'm gonna, I I'm gonna try. <laughs> I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. Oh. I'll just throw it out there this way: Farscape was one of those shows where uh, my mom actually watched it. Oh. She yeah. was not. She she did not watch a lot of the things that I watched. Uh, uh huh back in the day but farscape was one of those shows that really captured her and she yeah. loved it she watched it religiously yeah. yeah and and she never wanted to miss it and you know the channel formerly known as sci-fi kind of screwed it because they did that thing where they show three episodes and then they rerun them 12 times and they show three right. more episodes then they rerun those a um, hundred times you know, try to, to stretch things out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, she loved it. And she would always ask me, she, she'd be like, when is Farscape coming back? When's Farscape coming back? So that was a great show. So I, I like that you took that aspect of a, of a living ship. Uh -huh. uh, and it sounds like yours is a little, has, has a little bit more sentience and a little bit more ability to communicate potentially and, and be a little it, more sassy. Yeah. And that's it. A lot of the humor uh, comes from the ship, partially because the ship is just beginning to explore this concept of emotions. And so it's constantly like, well, is this envy? You know, and <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite things right now is the Murderbot Diaries. Oh, God, yes. And Murderbot is going through that as well. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm getting attached to humans. <laughs> humans who smell so bad and they never do anything right and they don't yeah. listen to you and they just, they're all over the place. And, ugh. Oh, that, yeah, I love those. And I, I'm actually, uh, well, this will be in the past by the time you air this. I will have talked with Martha Wells uh, at oh. an event for Copper Dog Books. Fancy schmancy. Yeah. It is very fancy. You know, one of the things, one of the appeals, I think, of, um, I remember reading an article a long time ago. Um, it was titled something to the effect of like the Pinocchio concept and like, why do we kind of keep cheapening artificial intelligence as figures in SF by always putting them in this situation. Like the data is a classic example of it. Like data just wants to be a real boy. Mm -hmm. um, that, mm -hmm. that, that their greatest aspiration is to be more like us and that we, we find poetical ways of sort of framing it that despite our, our flaws and despite our inefficiencies and our illogic as beings, that there's something intrinsic to the human experience that they, that they marvel and wish to emulate and, and feel for themselves and so on. I've increasingly become really interested in, I don't know, kind of like alternative Pinocchios of a sort, kind of like Murderbot and, and other things where they're, these are beings that have some grudging respect or interest in human beings, even if they don't fully yeah. acknowledge it and they don't, they don't frame it in a way that, that looks like that, but they also understand themselves to be fundamentally different and separate yeah. and they're okay yeah. with that. Like they, yeah. I, I think that that's really, and this is kind of like, um, this must seem like a sharp left turn, but I actually kind of think about Janet from the good place here. Right. Because there's that whole not a girl, not a robot. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's this, there's she she rarely asserts the language for exactly what she is, and I think it's because she already knows it. Yeah, like she already knows what she is, and she she's interested in the way that she changes over time, 
And yeah. I don't think that most of those changes make her very anxious. And I don't think the changes are aspirational in the sense of like, aha, now I get to be more people-y. Um, so much as they are just part of her change that she's able to understand because she knows things about humans. Right. And yeah. I think I think that's a yeah, it's a really smart way of thinking about it, the Pinocchio thing. And, and I think one of the things that I've tried to do with the spaceship is not do that. Yeah. And so there's even a, a moment or two where the, the ship is like, well, would the easiest thing just be to kill them all? And then go, <laughs> no. And, and, and so, you know, tried to convey something of that viewpoint because yeah. I'm pretty sure that ship would not want to be human. It would find it pretty limiting. Yeah. Yeah. But emotions, yeah. they're cool, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. It depends on the emotion. Yeah. It really I mean, does. They are, they are, um, they're juicy. They're complicated. Yeah. They're messy. <laughs> Sometimes they involve like spillage and needing to wipe yeah. things up. Yeah. 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 There's, there's definitely things. Yeah. I, I guess one of the other things, like you can tell that I'm super psyched about you sexy thing. Um, Cause it, it also uses one of you we talked a bit about found family and like sort of like what it means to be a group that works well together and that you, you have a bond and all of that. Um, but I also really like the idea of people who are experienced and who have a past and who have a background and who have been in some sense out of the game and then the mm -hmm. game pulls them back Yeah, in some way. Um, I mean, it's kind of the lethal weapon, Danny Glover, I'm getting too old for this shit sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but I've always kind of loved that as a move that I think there's not enough opportunities with the way we sort of like fetishize the the fresh out of um their development younger characters and less yeah. experienced characters and whatnot i get really excited about characters who you know have some aches and pains and like they've been around the block a little bit and they're they've they've got some issues and yeah. they sort of look at what's going around and then like oh jesus not much more of this shit again <laughs> must we must we children yeah. um yeah yeah i don't know I, what that says about me but <laughs> well i i think we are seeing more fantasy and science fiction with older protagonists mm -hmm. uh you know and it, it's perhaps it's partially the aging of the baby boomers as they kind of slowly progress along the timeline uh but i do like bujold has uh curse of chalion right is mm -hmm. a is a older uh post-menopausal uh female protagonist which is it's a wonderful uh series i see so i think i see more of them yeah uh, but i i think Kind of overall fantasy and science fiction is learning to have different protagonists and so we see more you know trans uh, more uh, differently abled you know mm -hmm. just like all sorts of much more diverse and much more interesting uh, ensembles as a result so do you, do you think that that trend is going to limit how many of those books get adapted into cw tv shows <laughs> well I as mean... far as as I could tell, any CW show has to have a cast of like six beautiful bodies that are willing to just sort of run back and forth in front yeah. of the screen. They can follow um, their blocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am, I am uh, closing in on the series finale of Supergirl, which oh. which aired this last week. Yeah. I'm a few episodes yeah. behind. I'm trying to catch up. But you're, the point that you're making reminds me of the crossover episode with Flash from very early on when the show was still on CBS. Oh yeah. When the show was on CBS, they had, Oh my goodness. Allie McBeal 
What's her oh, name? Oh, uh, Calista, Calista Flockhart. Flockhart. Yeah, Calista yeah. Flockhart. Oh, she was yeah, playing yeah. The, the character oh, Cat Rambo. Yeah, yeah. I remember have, her. Yeah. They have this this crossover with Flash where he comes over to Supergirl's world. And, you know, he's with her along with Jimmy Olsen and a couple of other characters all standing in Cat's office. And she's like, wow, you guys look like the cast of a CW show. <laughs> wink and it's that. it's that i mean you're yeah. you're not wrong yeah just just yeah. look at the landscape of cw shows versus other like i think i think uh hbo is not afraid to do older protagonists right amazon's not amazon had titus right. wheeler as as bosch mm-hmm. uh and now you know bosch has moved into uh private investigating on imdb tv so you know they yeah. they they yeah. they're not afraid of it i remember longmire longmire was a fantastic yeah. show these are all shows that tracy will never watch and <laughs> wink <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's interesting I, you know i wonder if it's uh, to your point as as the authors are getting a little older they're they're wanting to write characters that that mirror themselves a little bit more i th- i think that's possible but we're also seeing we're at a point where niche markets become kind of less nichey and more sort of like oh this is actually a substantial chunk of people mm-hmm. and so like i'm watching right now another show that uh, tracy will never see uh east spookies uh which is a, a spanish language show but it's got uh what is it the guy from portlandia and and the writing is just really really funny and you know, back in the, I, I grew up when we had like three television channels yeah. and yeah. PBS and then maybe some religious stuff. And so back in the day, this would not have flown. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you had that one channel that was really, really snowy. You could almost get it. <laughs> and you'd stare at it. <laughs> you'd send to the other end of the room everyone's... and be like, just, just <laughs> hold it. It's better if you're holding the antenna, just, just stand there and hold it. I don't know That's, why. Yeah. Just like, maybe you're grounding it. I what? don't know. Do you guys, um, you remember that old, the movie Poltergeist? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. the stuff that was, that was the scary part was like when she's staring at the static and yeah. generations to come are just not going to understand why that was really freaking scary. No, there's a, there's a, there's a, a bunch of fantastic docuseries that CNN has done recently. Mm-hmm. One of them is on the history of late night. And the reason I bring it up is because when you mentioned the three channels and, and mm-hmm. just the networks and the power that the networks had for the longest time, n- nothing illustrates that better than the tonight show with Johnny Carson. Oh yeah. Mm. And, and they talk about this because you know, you, you basically had NBC had today, which was the morning show and it was a news oriented show. And then they decided to do tonight. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're end capping. They decided to play with that. And you, you had Steve Allen, you had Jack Parr, you had, Jack but Parr, it wasn't yeah. until Johnny Carson took over that show and dominated it for yeah. 30 years or whatever yeah. it was. He became such a power. He became a power on air. He became a power in the industry. He became a power at NBC. NBC basically had to do whatever Johnny said, like Johnny wanted something. They gave it to Johnny because he made they threw out some number during the, the documentary about uh, like at one point he was responsible for something like 20% of NBC's income. 
Yeah. Like some stupid number like yeah. that. It's like ridiculous number. Yeah. And the comedians talked about it. If you got on Johnny Carson, the phone rang the next day and you got mm-hmm. jobs, you got gigs. Yeah. And if you did not get on Johnny Carson, good luck. Yeah. You struggled. You struggled. And, and that was that power at that time, which was crazy. When Joan Rivers, Joan Rivers became the, the permanent guest host of The Tonight Show. Yeah. When she found out that she was not on the list to replace him if he ever left, she took an offer from Fox and went and did the Joan Rivers show. The Joan Rivers show died because uh-huh. Johnny was pissed and said to anybody, if you go on the Joan Rivers show, you will never be on the Tonight oh, Show again. Oh, that's so awful. Jesus. And so no one wanted to do her show because they were afraid See, it was this feud that they yeah. had. I mean, but when you look at the power story, it's just crazy. It's crazy. We, I do what the, that with the publicists. I'm like, if you ever get your person <laughs> on Beyond the Trope or Skiffy and Fanty, you're dead to me. Just so you know, you're dead, dead to me. dead to me. Yeah. yeah. And they, they, yeah. they jump. Yeah. They're scurred for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I got, <laughs> I got tour shaking in their boots. <laughs> right now, there are publicists at tour going, what? 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 Um, which, I mean, honestly, in and of itself is me rounding up because I don't know that there is a publicist at Tor who actually, yeah. Like, they just, yeah. 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 So. Kat and I are enterprising people. We did this ourselves without a middleman. Thanks yeah. much. Yeah. 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 <laughs> take, take that oh. establishment. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go down that road a little bit. Cause you've done, you've done some teaching yeah, as part of as part of Cat's teaching platform, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's been generous enough to host me for God. It's been I, it's about about a half a dozen different yeah. times at this point with with several different formats and different uh, different content. Um, I had a chance uh, a couple of weeks ago to do something I'd never done before, which was fun. Um, there's a recurring format, uh, Rambo Academy class. That's uh, basically called like the story idea workshop, or I'm, I'm probably mangling the title. It's but the story it's generator workshop. Story generator workshop. And it's taught on a revolving basis by different people. And so it's a class that you could you could theoretically take multiple times and depending on who is helming it, get different kinds of advice and different perspectives. And, um, and of course, the Rambo Academy, it doesn't just deal with the concerns of genre writers, but sometimes it can get really kind of crunchy in yeah. fun ways yeah. with, you know, really kind of focused topics like how how do I write sff for gaming purposes like how do i how do i write a game oriented story script um or you know how do i how do i represent non-binary characters in my prose um and so it ranges from much broader topics to like how do write like how how word um, which is actually not a title of it. If you, if you were to search Rambo Academy, how do word, how I'm do sure word. Google will give you something, but that's not actually. I might have to classes. come up with a class name. Yeah. Yeah. How do word. How do word. Question mark. Question mark. It's all the, it's the class that's entirely in Doge speak. Um, so that so, would so, actually, so yeah. that, that, that remind, I mean, that, that brings it up. I mean, obviously we want people to go get your book, Kat, but we have a lot of listeners who are writers. At various mm-hmm. stages in their careers, why don't you why don't you give them a pitch in the Rambo Academy and tell oh. them tell them what's going on there? Oh, absolutely happy to do that. So the Rambo Academy has basically three components. 
And one is that we do have the live classes. Uh, Tracy's taught those. We've got a whole range of people. Uh, Shannon McGuire has taught. Ann Leckie has taught. Mm -hmm. Fran Weyer, uh, Sarah Pinsker. Uh, Joe Iriarte and I are actually doing a class on writing non-binary coming up uh, mid-December. And then there is also uh, an on-demand uh, section for and so a number of the classes have been turned into on-demand material, which you can kind of take at your own pace, like whenever you like. And then there is also a kind of virtual campus and that I've got a discord server, uh, which people subscribe to either through my Patreon or however they want to, uh, which has a pretty lively community of about, I think, 250, 300 uh, writers, not all at one time, thank God. Uh, but people exchange crits on there. Uh, we have a story discussion group, which we, we, has been really exciting because we had Karen Joy Fowler came and talked about one of her stories. And mm -hmm. Bill Gibson came and talked about That's one of his stories. Cool. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. So we do events like that. Uh, I'm talking actually right now. I want Rose Fox is, I think, going to come do a talk about trade magazines and uh, then I would like to get Cherie Thomas to come talk about what it's like editing the mag of FNSF. So lots of exciting nice. stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of craft stuff, a lot of business stuff, um, a lot of just support networking mm -hmm. and getting to meet people. Um, we even have a few listeners of the podcast who I became acquainted with first through having them uh, students in my Rambo Academy yeah, classes. Yeah. And um, I don't know if I just bumbled back into their lives by by going to Functional Nerds where they already were, or if they followed me here, but but hi, how we doing? <laughs> hey, Todd. Hi, Todd. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, and there's also scholarships. Yes. So if you... If you find that you are interested in some of this material, but for, you know, for an ongoing purpose or just for a temporary reason, uh, the scratch is a little bit hard to come by. Uh, most of the different class opportunities come with scholarship yeah. options that can give you free or reduced seats. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And well, I'm so happy about... when people take advantage of those scholarships because, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So you were talking about a, a, a potential class called How to Word. Don't forget the other class, oh, yeah. which is how Word is the worst piece of shit software that's ever been created by anyone <laughs> ever. And you should burn your computer if you actually fucking use it. Oh, God. So, you know, Word. yeah. yeah. Well, you might have to wordsmith the title a little bit, but. Yeah, you might need to, you might need to shorten that up a bit. Okay. Yeah. I used to how work. Don't, that's how don't word <laughs> is actually. Word. <laughs> I used to work at Microsoft. And I can tell you I'm what's sorry. going on is like every few years they're like, we need more money. So we must now completely yeah. reinvent the UI. And it just drives me nuts. Yeah. yeah I always tell people to use Scrivener. And then yeah. they say, well, does my, do editors and stuff use Scrivener? I said, no. You'll have to use Scrivener until you send it off to somebody. And then you'll have to be in Word from that point on. Yeah. Yeah. I said, but you can, you can write in a nice, comfortable environment yeah. that doesn't fuck you over if you hit the backspace. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And you won't accidentally try to, you know, mail merge and fax something to somebody. So <laughs> why am I getting 500 pages of manuscript from this person? <laughs> Who even are they? What's happening? Oh, God. I accidentally installed Publisher and Word and Outlook. And now it's just it's sending emails to everybody. Everyone. Everyone. <laughs> State Department. How does anyone know what that? This is, this is weird. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, we are um we are clearly at the slap happy part of things, which which feels to me like we're we're all warmed up for for further joy with picks of the week. We feel in the yeah. picks. Yes, oh, I think it. we should absolutely do picks of the week. Picks, picks of the week. All right. So, uh, Kat, since you are our guest of honor here, do you want to get us started this time? I do. And my pick of the week is for people who love to play Dungeons and Dragons, but are like, boy, this would be even better if it took place in space. It's a game called Esper Genesis, uh, put out by Alligator Alley Games. It is heroic sci-fi role-playing I've actually been playing in a Twitch campaign of it for about two years now. Uh, So I really love this system. I'm going to hold it up so the people, only Patrick and Tracy can see. It's going to be great radio. The cover gonna, okay, is, so there's there's a, there's a squamous looking spidery thing and it's shooting stuff and it's going like pew 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 it's sound effects. It's an amazing cover. Pew. It is. It is. So that's my pick. Awesome. All right. And 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 like D and D, does it does it add the extra level of uh, of just drama and trying to get everybody together at the same time to play? Well, I play it on roll twenty. And uh, Roll20 even has uh, Esper Genesis modules and stuff nice. now. So Pretty cool. Roll20 is an interesting platform. I love, yeah. I, I Roll20, during the pandemic, I started doing a weekly D&D game with some friends. And I was playing other stuff. And, and boy, it, it's wonderful to be able to play games online. Yeah, yeah. That was we were doing that for a while too on uh, the in the early days of the pandemic. It was my my son cutting his teeth really for the first time with a with a campaign that way. Well, and it's interesting to me that the pandemic has has kind of forced these platforms to innovate and upgrade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nice way to put it. <laughs> well, kind of like what it's forced conferences to do too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's like it's like you got to figure this out, and and your sound can't be cutting out every. 12 seconds as you're as you're doing this shit uh yeah it's just been interesting so that that's i like that platform a lot i I tell you what i I like anything better than D &D beyond Uh Mm. because D &D beyond just pisses me the fuck off yeah i could see yeah as a concept as a it's like yeah we're not going to do ebooks at all we're going to license all that out to someone else and make them charge you a monthly fee yep that's what we're going to do People, yeah. people love subscriptions. Yeah, I'm not people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be the tagline for like the Patrick Hester biopic. Be like, I'm not people. I'm not people. Yeah, <laughs> p- played by the gritty outsider character. It's gonna be Tom Hardy. Yeah, I was it's just thinking some Tom serious Hardy. method acting going that's on. It. That's yeah. it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I promise I'll actually watch it, even if it's a TV series. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. Patrick, how about Wink. you? What's your pick? Well, in, in that case, I'm going to pick a TV show that I know you won't watch. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. This is this is a new show, and it's it's hitting my nostalgia for music in the '90s, kind of sorta. Uh, this is ABC, is the network, and it's called Queens. Queens. Okay. And it's about it's. It's sort of TLC. Okay. All if right. you remember Bam. TLC. Yeah. 
and it, it's basically uh oh my gosh it's uh oh i'm gonna uh, she was a teen she was a uh she was like a teen tv star but she was also a singer moesha oh yeah oh yeah so she's in the band she's like the lyricist she's the person who writes all the lyrics but she's also she's a rapper in the band okay. and you have all these other characters and and it's basically it's a it's a it's a four-piece band uh, all women uh women of color and they were a big hit in the 2000s we'll say i think is when this like the the past is like 1999 is when they hit really really big and then they fell apart as a band Mm -hmm. and now it's today and they come back together for a sort of reunion at the bet awards and everybody goes crazy over them and they start doing this reunion tour and, and and trying to come back together and they're also sort of mentoring a a woman today who's a rapper and a singer and she's kind of she's kind of the oh my gosh i don't want to say archetype i want to say something she's kind of like a parody of of current hip hop female okay. acts she's got the she's got the the pink hair but it's a wig and she does all the makeup and everything and she kind of mm-hmm. does the silly voices and and, and and she has a drug problem and okay. and they're helping her through that but it's just the relationships and, and it's just all so good and then the music and it just reminds me of those those hip-hop 90s tlc and vogue kind of bands yeah. that hit there for a while and salt and pepper and and then it's kind of turning it on its head and it's like you know one of them has four or five kids and is married now and the other one is this very conservative christian but she's also gay and she's been closeted gay all her life and now she's coming out and trying to be her true self and just all these different things going on you have the the rapper who everybody wants her to be a rapper but she kind of wants to be the singer songwriter and 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 have that career it's just it's such a compelling show i'm i totally got sucked in i totally got sucked in queens abc you can also watch it on hulu that's awesome that's yeah. awesome so uh so for me um for a while uh, patrick knows all about this i was on a kick where most of my reading was like novellas and shorter stuff uh but i got my groove back and uh i started in um at the beginning of this week on a novel that i I confess I should have jumped on this a while ago. Like I, I bought the audible um, audiobook of it quite some time ago, but I just, it was one of those books where I'm like, I need to be in a certain place before I can do this because I I've heard the word on the street about, about this. And plus I, I know the author really well. I've read most of the rest of her, her work. Uh, it's NK Jemison's the city we became. Oh, I love and so that. I know. And so I'm, no. I'm fairly deep into it at this point. And uh, want to say first, before I even get into Jemison's writing herself, um, that the narrator is Robin Miles for the uh, audiobook. And if you are familiar with the audiobooks for um, the Broken Earth trilogy, that was uh, Robin Miles was the narrator for all of those. She's done some other narrative work for um, 
the or the company formerly known as Cereal Box, now known as Realm, uh, for some of their cereals and so on. Um, she's just really fantastic. She's got wonderful range, really invests uh, a lot of energy into the performance, great range of different voices. And because the city we became is this kind of uh, eldritch, otherworldly love song to New York, uh, might be a way of putting it. Um, if that doesn't sound entirely impossible, there are so many different nuances of like the Brooklyn accent versus the Bronx versus Queens versus Staten Island versus people who are transplants from overseas that she's having to embody. Um, but you know, one of the things that always impresses me about Jemison's writing is she's such a fantastic world builder. And this is a departure from her other novels where all of the other novels have been a secondary world of some kind. But this is really set in our world where the otherworldly forces of of something like the Lovecraftian um, forces of the universe are, are real and present and are intruding on the, the sanctity of cities, which are essentially like nascent kaiju yeah. of a sort that begin to gain uh, agency and personas through human beings that start to embody pieces of the city's consciousness. So this, the title is really literal, The City We Became. Um, and this is the story of uh, New York waking up, so to speak, to face down the eldritch parasite that's trying to consume it before it has a chance to become whole. Um, and so it's, it's a fantastic amount of world building being done, despite the fact that it's in New York and it treats New York as a character. Um, I've never been to New York, but I, you know, I feel really deeply that there's, there's a lot that I'm understanding about New York because of how deeply Jemison understands it and, and is mm. exploring it through the text. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's creepy. It's thoughtful. Everything that you've ever liked about Jemison's work, if you dig it, you will find more of here in The City We Became. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> She's I, just I, killer good. Yeah. 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 Um, also, I, I'm trying to remember the, the book that I read of hers back when it first came out. Uh, it had a number in it, like 100,000. 100,000 Kingdoms. Oh, 100,000 so Kingdoms. Thank yeah, you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And love that. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've read I've read the the three books that are the trilogy for the Hundred Thousand Kingdoms. I've read all of the Broken Earth uh, trilogy books, and now this is my my seventh Nora Jemison book. So nice. so there we go. Yeah, yeah, very cool. All right. So wow, we've we've covered a lot of ground here. And <laughs> I feel like I've got I feel like I've got a, a joy hangover or something going yeah. on. So. Cat, tell folks where they can find you, where they can find you, sexy thing, and and that's both the title of the book and also how I'm addressing you. And I trust that that's not in any way creepy. Um, yeah. Oh no, that no, that's lovely, Tracy. Ooh, little flirtation going too. Um, yeah, she she turned off her camera. I'm assuming there's nothing to do with. Yeah, everything's she's hiding now, and I am going to be canceled online. I'm, I'm fanning so myself. Um, where can you find you sexy thing? Well, you can find it at, uh, bookstores. And if I urge you to go to your independent bookstore and order it there, if they don't have it, there is an audible version that will be out, uh, that is out now the same day. Um, you can order it through your library. I always suggest that people do that. And, uh, you can always find me online on Twitter as Cat Rambo and on Facebook as Cat Rambo. 
and on Instagram, not as Cat Rambo, but a, under a different name. But if you type in Cat Rambo, you can find me there. Um, so yeah, if you read it, let me know what you think. That's awesome. All right. So thanks so much for being with us, Cat. I had a ball with you. Oh, uh, it was awesome. Thank you so much. And it's that time of the show where the episode is over, but you want more. Well, you can't stay here, but you don't have to go home either. Unless you want to go home, in which case you can totally go home. But you still need something to listen to, right? Because this episode is over. Well, have I got a deal for you. It's called Beyond the Trope. And it's a podcast that's eerily similar to this one. Hmm. Anyway, Giles and Michelle are the forces behind Beyond the Trope. And they have a new episode every week, just like we have a new episode every week. They talk with best-selling authors, award-winning actors, and other leaders in the creative community, and then share those interviews over at their website, beyondthetrope.com. Isn't that convenient? So again, if you're looking for something else to listen to now that this episode is over, go check them out at beyondthetrope.com. They even have a Patreon with extra stuff for people who back them, just like we do. So if you like what they do, visit their Patreon and back them. And as always, if you like what we do, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com functionalnerds and back us. We have tons of cool things. Now, I've got this theory about Doctor Who Flux. It all begins back in a 1976 episode in the Tom Baker... Wait, wait, no, no, don't, don't fade out. This stuff is important. People want to hear this.